Therapy doesn't fix you. You fix you. But therapy isn't what you do for a quick fix or an easy button. It's what you do when your quick fixes and easy buttons stop working and you're wanting to change. Hello, besties. Welcome to the Bestie for Life podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Ann, and I'm so glad you're here. So episode 10 got put out late. I published it later um, than I meant to, and it ended up being kind of accidentally on purpose. And I wanted to tell you about it because I think it's a good example of a real life listening to myself, my values, and recognizing any boundaries that I'm keeping or need to be enforcing better. Um, This past week, I hadn't been feeling very well physically, and it also affected me emotionally. And I tried to kind of brainstorm and outline my, um, my episode that I had planned and I wrote the whole thing and I was practicing and I even, I recorded the whole thing and I hadn't yet edited it, but the whole time I was recording it, I just felt really terrible and it just didn't feel like it was the right subject or the right topic for me, um, at least yet. And Although I knew like some of the things I was sharing would be helpful, I just, it wasn't sitting well with me to put it out there. And I recognized that I needed to listen to that, but I didn't realize it until the night before it was supposed to be released. So funny enough though, that same day, yesterday, I realized what I did actually want to talk about and what did kind of bring me alive and spark some excitement to share with you. And that was maximizing therapy. So this is kind of an example of me reevaluating small parts of my life and going, okay, I need to listen. Something feels off and I don't necessarily need to just kind of bulldoze through those small warning signs that my body and my heart and my mind are giving me and I can kind of change things up. So that's what I did. And I said, you know what? It's okay that this episode is going to be released late. I would rather be true to myself and not put out something that I'm not necessarily ready to share or that I think isn't what I want to necessarily talk about yet. So this is you getting a peek behind the curtain at making a podcast and um, also being true and authentic to myself. So I'm grateful to all of you who are listening, even if it's a day late, and the consistent people that are listening and sharing, um, leaving reviews. I see it all and it just warms my heart. And the whole reason I started this podcast was to bring some sunshine into the internet and into the world and to pass on things that are working for me and to show real life in simple ways and to help people that I care about and people I don't even know, but I do still care about you. (laughs) So thank you so much for listening. And I'm excited for you to listen to this episode about maximizing therapy. Welcome back to the Bestie for Life podcast. I am really getting used to 
the East Coast time. It is an adjustment, but I am enjoying all of the beautiful snow that has been happening lately. So, um, a little bit of a trade-off there. (laughs) We're going to start this episode with a bestie shout-out submission. Today's submission comes from Joyce, who lives in Wisconsin. And here is what she has to say about her bestie. There's an old saying that if you find one really, really good friend in your lifetime, you are considered lucky. Well, then I would say I hit the jackpot 32 years ago at the age of 50. I was teaching fourth grade at the time, and my now very best friend Audrey was the secretary. We had not crossed paths prior to this. After five years, I retired, but I volunteered to run the reading program, which had just been cut due to funding. So, for the next seven years, I taught remedial reading, setting up my own program. Since I was independent, I slotted an hour for my lunch break, the same as secretaries. So one day, I asked Audrey if she would like to join me at a fast food place for lunch versus running home as she typically did. And that was the beginning of our joined-at-the-hip best friendship ever. In fact, we have adopted one another as sisters. After we both retired, we have continued to have at least one day a week that it is just for us. We have lunch and do any number of things, which may include golfing, playing cards, movies, etc. But most of all, it's our conversations, our absolute comfort zone of being able to share anything and everything with each other. To be able to feel free to share your innermost feelings with a trusted friend is priceless. Sharing your ups and downs and knowing that the other person truly cares deeply about what you have to say is something few people find. I hope you are one of those lucky people. We are now in our 80s and still have the bestest of sister friends. This just makes me smile the entire time I'm reading it um, because this is absolutely what I want to have with my best friends and I can't wait to be 80 and getting to get together with my friends and just enjoy each other and know that we've known each other for so long and have that kind of trust and like she said a comfort zone so uh, thank you for your submission and remember you can submit yours in the link in the show notes as well as if you find me on Instagram I usually have the link in my stories and it's always in my bio so do submit because there are some really fantastic friends out there that we want to appreciate and shout out to. Therapy for me has been one of the biggest tools in helping myself grow, evolve, and maintain a healthy mindset. Even when a session is full of tears, uncomfortable moments, swears, or being called out, I've still always seen it as something worthwhile for me. I know that I'm not alone in this, and I also know there are plenty of people out there that feel differently. I recently had an experience that left me wondering if I was doing therapy right or if I was weird because I don't dread therapy like I have been dreading exercising. When I brought it up in therapy, of course, (laughs) my therapist said, well, there are people out there who love fitness like you love therapy. And there are people out there that dread therapy like you dread exercise, so we can't compare. It clicked for me then. I have alarms set and time blocked out for my therapy, but I do not do the same thing for my exercise routine. I have a long list of excuses, some major hangups and mental blocks, all in the way of something that I know is going to be good for me and help me live the life I want to be living. 
And there are people out there who probably feel that same way about therapy. They can see the good, but there is a lot of rationalizing going on for why they aren't doing it. I totally get it. When this new-to-me perspective dawned on me, I knew I wanted to make this episode because it's something I've been searching for in the fitness world. So for today's Bestie Conversation, I wanted to offer some help on where to start when it comes to therapy and how to maximize your therapy sessions. Whether you are just entertaining the idea of therapy or you are someone like me who looks forward to therapy, I have some tips that can help you feel a little more comfortable and I have some tips that can help you level up your next therapy session and have your therapist thinking you are their favorite client, which I know we secretly are all hoping for that. (laughs) And first, let me say that this is all my own opinion and kind of discovery by trial and error. I am not a therapist or a mental health expert, but I am someone who has gone to therapy for a while now and is working on their own mental health constantly. So let's dive in. We're going to start with the why. Why do we go to therapy? In my humble and very non-expert opinion, I think the reason to go to therapy is because you're interested in growing and learning about yourself, and you're looking for a more individualized experience to focus on your personal mental health, relationships, trauma, and life experiences. There are a lot of fantastic resources out there, including books, social media accounts, podcasts, but most of those are going to focus on more general things, and you don't always get an experience that is tailored to you and your life. That's where I find therapy to be really helpful, because it is all about the individual and what is personally going on for them. Some people are in therapy, and they don't always want to be. And I do want to speak to them. No. Some people's why is different than that, though. Some people are in therapy that don't really want to be there. Children and teenagers, partners and spouses, court-ordered individuals. For whatever reason, sometimes people are forced or ultimatumed. I don't think that's a word but you know what I mean, (laughs) given an ultimatum. And they end up sitting in an office across from a stranger who has a piece of paper that says they have a degree in psychology or social work. This type of situation is usually where you will get the least out of therapy. You are going into that session shut down, annoyed, frustrated, and I doubt you will get much out of it except to say that you checked a box. If you are in that type of situation, I would say that I can see why you are feeling resistant. There are plenty of reasons to be frustrated. And I would also encourage you to have an open heart and an open mind. There might be something that you get out of your sessions, and you actually have the power to influence how your sessions go, which I will talk about more later. Maybe the reason you signed up for therapy is because you think it's going to fix and change your life, that it'll fix you. I think you are going to have a disappointing and even frustrating experience. One that I can definitely relate to. Therapy doesn't fix you. You fix you. But therapy can teach you and provide you with the skills, techniques, and knowledge that can help you deal with your life. But it isn't going to make all your problems disappear. It can help you change to better adapt and respond to those problems and situations in a way that is healthier for you. But therapy isn't what you do for a quick fix or an easy button. It's what you do when your quick fixes and easy buttons stop working and you're wanting to change. Now, not every therapist is the same. 
So we've covered the why, let's talk about the who. For starters, every therapist is still going to have a bias based simply on their own life experiences, whether that be because of their socioeconomic status, race, gender, education, sexual orientation, religious upbringing, and life in general. But it's a therapist's job to keep that bias out of their sessions. You can start by Googling. There's a lot of different websites that can help you find therapists in your area, in your network. Um, I know Psychology Today has it. I know BetterHelp is one of the more popular um, like online options that connects you with therapists. So doing a little bit of research to find somebody. But start by thinking about what certifications and specialties that your therapist might need to be working with you. Um, search for someone who has experience or specializes in a certain area that you're wanting to address. That could be addictions, LGBTQ issues, eating disorders, or depression and anxiety, to name a few. You might think about who you feel most comfortable working with as well. You can look for a certain type of therapy. Do you want to dig into your past or are you more interested in looking at the present and the future? Do you want a lot of homework and techniques or do you mostly just want someone to listen? Do you want someone who can relate to your experiences and, and has similarities in life or does that not matter to you? Do some independent research to figure out a little bit about what you want and don't want in a therapist. Doing this prior to meeting your new therapist can help you weed out any obvious no's and hopefully connect you with someone that you do want to work with. Once you are in their office and make you feel like you can share and be vulnerable, or is there anything about them that gives you a bad vibe, an ick, or just something feels off? Not every therapist is for everyone, so it's okay to come to a conclusion that this isn't going to work out, and you can let them know at the end of the session or shoot them an email later, letting them know you won't be continuing on with them. Some popular therapy systems, like I mentioned earlier, will help you switch pretty easily between therapists, but sometimes switching therapists does mean that you're going back to Googling who is in your network or who you can afford. It's frustrating for sure, but worth the work to find the person who will click with you the most because it will, it will affect you down the line. Some of you might not feel like you can trust a therapist. Personally, I like the fact that it's a stranger. I don't mind that I'm paying them. I appreciate that they don't know me before working with me or the people in my life and probably never will. For some people, that's a big hangup and, I can, and it can make it harder for them to trust a therapist and their motives. I like to remind myself though that one, HIPAA and other laws and policies make it illegal for your therapist to share anything said in a session without your direct consent. There's some exceptions in terms of like minors um, and probably some court order stuff. I'm, I don't know too much into it. So definitely be looking at the paperwork that you're going to be signing and um, clarifying with the person that you're going to work with. And two, an objective stranger can sometimes be the best person to talk our stuff out with because they have a fresh perspective with no involvement and a lot of researched knowledge that can help us more than our best friend, our partner, family member, or even your nail tech and hairstylist. That degree isn't worth nothing, and what they bring to the table could be really helpful to you. You might be someone that doesn't trust their motives, though, and while I can see where you're coming from, I respectfully will remind you that yes, it's a job, but plenty of people are good at their jobs, care about their jobs, and want their clients to succeed. I love the scene in Ted Lasso, 
where he is talking with Dr. Sharon about exactly that. And her response is that he's good at his job that he is paid for. So why can't she be good at hers? And if that still doesn't do it for you, remember, not every therapist is for you. So find the right one that is. All right. So we covered the why and the who, and we know those matter. Let's talk about the how. How can you get the most out of your therapy sessions? These strategies and tips that I'm going to share are things that I've learned over the years through the process of trial and error. They are what I've figured out has worked for me. And as always, take what you like and leave the rest. I'm going to break up maximizing your therapy sessions into three parts, before, during, and after. So before every therapy session, I am usually doing two things. One, I keep a running note in my phone of any situation or thought that comes up for me between sessions that I think I might want to talk about with my therapist in the next session. This can literally be anything big or small. And two, about 10 to 15 minutes before my session, I try to look at these notes and prioritize what I want to talk about or work on in the session. And I organize my thoughts before session starts. I'm usually writing these down in a notebook. Now, sometimes I have one or two things. Sometimes it's five or seven. It depends on the week and what's been going on for me. These two strategies help me know what I'm wanting to get out of therapy. And it also helps me avoid that brain freeze which definitely has happened when my therapist will ask me how I'm doing or what I want to talk about that day, and my mind just goes completely blank. When I don't keep a running list and organize my thoughts beforehand, I've noticed that I waste precious time that isn't cheap, and I end up forgetting important stuff that I meant to talk about, but because I didn't keep track of it, I just didn't ever bring it up. It's also got the bonus effect of helping you be more mindful throughout your week and notice how you're feeling and how certain things or situations or people are affecting you. Okay, let's move on to the maximizing during a session. This first strategy is going to expose me for the nerd that I am, but I'm not ashamed of my nerdiness. <laughs> I bring my journal and I take notes during my sessions. I know that the joke is that we wonder what our therapist is writing down when we're talking, which, spoiler alert, it's usually a question or a comment they want to remember to ask or say to us when we're done talking, or an observation for notes that they think might be important for me later or for them to know later. I've even had a therapist who Googled something I was talking about because she didn't have the answer off the top of her head, but wanted to give me one because she thought it might calm down some of my anxiety, which she was correct. Anyways, flip the script, take your own notes, write down anything that they say or that you say that resonates with you and what you want to remember for later. Taking notes is a really helpful strategy that lets me remember what was discussed in a particular session and can be a reminder for when I'm looking back on it on how I can help myself outside of that therapy session. The next strategy for during the session is probably the hardest one, and that's being honest. If you aren't honest in therapy, unfortunately, and this might sound harsh, but you are wasting your time and theirs. If you don't see yourself being honest in therapy, I would recommend getting a journal, follow some therapists on social media for some general tidbits for life, and read books specific to what you are wanting to work on. You can still grow and change without therapy, but I have found it to be the more difficult route. I see therapy as a resource that can accelerate our growth and provide needed perspective so we can learn and grow. 
There are valid reasons for why someone might not go to therapy, and there are quite a few that are out of their control, including cost and access to mental health care. And I'm not here to make you feel bad for not going. I absolutely believe that people are capable of change with and without therapy. This episode and these strategies are just for anyone who is wanting to go and wants to get the most out of their therapy sessions. This isn't an episode trying to convince everyone why they should be in therapy. So be honest with yourself and with your therapist, even if it means starting out by saying, I'm really nervous about therapy and trusting you. A good therapist will respect that and adapt to figure out how they can connect with you, help you feel comfortable, and hopefully trust them. And if they don't, remember that who matters. And so if you need to switch to someone else, that's okay too. I also sometimes will, when I'm starting out with a new therapist and I'm kind of anxious about what I want to work on or um, being honest, I'll just kind of quickly get it all over with at the beginning, even if we're not going to talk about it all right then. Um, I'll just say, okay, this is what I'm really embarrassed about sharing, or I just want to say this so that it's out there and we can come back to it at a different time. And sometimes it just helps because then I don't have to sit there wondering when am I going to bring it up or, um, what are they going to think about me? It's just already out there in the open. Honesty is the key to a successful session because it's going to give you and your therapist the most accurate information to work off of. If they are operating off of false information, what they offer you will most likely not be effective. Help them help you by being honest and sharing your thoughts and feelings. It can be really difficult and really uncomfortable, but that is where the growth happens. Okay, so you researched and you found a therapist that fit you. You have been honest and vulnerable and you took notes and the session is over. You're done, right? Wrong. A misconception that I had for therapy was very Vegas of me. What happens in therapy stays in therapy. I did therapy like that for a while. I bottled up everything in between sessions, dumped all my thoughts and feelings into the session, left the office, didn't think about it again, repeated. I wasn't applying anything we talked about in our sessions or following through on the things that were suggested I try. My first therapist gave me books and articles to read. Um, she gave me worksheets and strategies to do, and I would nod along. I'd take the papers and then find them crushed up at the bottom of my purse weeks and months later, doing me absolutely no good. What I didn't know, but I wish I had, is a lot of my own personal growth and progress would happen outside of therapy. I had aha moments in therapy, and some I would take with me and apply to life, but most of the time I left everything in therapy and my growth was slow going. That has since changed, and I'm here to tell you, learn from my mistakes. Try the strategies that they give you, read the books and articles they recommend, and think about the things that you've talked about in therapy outside of the therapy session. Every strategy they give you might not work for you, but that's okay. In fact, that's really good information to go back to the next session with and say, look, here's how I applied that in my life, and I still don't think it worked. I would recommend that letting them know this, and then together you can work out why it didn't work and might, what might work better for the next time and try something else. Again, be honest, but also give things a chance. Apply your therapy to your whole life, not just those 50 minutes in their office. The last tip I want to give you is to plan some aftercare, especially when you're dealing with hard stuff that can be pretty draining. B12 
be mindful about what will help you replenish your energy. Do you want to be around people or would you like to be alone? On hard therapy days, that was a frozen dinner or takeout night for me. Sometimes I needed a really hard and intense workout because I still had that energy I was carrying with me from the session earlier. If you're doing therapy on your lunch break before going back into work, stretch and drink a full glass of water. Listening to what you need and caring for yourself is crucial to any kind of recovery you might need after therapy. I know therapy is not for everyone or every season people are in, but I do know that when done correctly, therapy can help you change your life. So figure out your why and then find your who, and remember to maximize that session by being prepared beforehand, being honest during, and try the recommendations and strategies afterwards in the real world. Good luck in your therapy endeavors. Thanks for listening, besties. Talk later. Thank you, besties, for listening to this week's episode. Leave a review if you would like. Send some stars my way. It is much appreciated. If you are wanting more Bestie for Life podcast in your life, you can follow me on Instagram at Bestie for Life podcast. This is where I'm connecting with listeners and hearing from you. Later, besties.